Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries with James Myers. In this series, we are studying the book of Acts. Today we discuss chapter 18, verse 18, through chapter 19, verse 20, where Paul founded and then returned to Ephesus. James discusses this account and how our faith must manifest in good works. We hope this message serves to edify the church. Okay, so we are going to finish up chapter 18. Remember, last week we took kind of a break. So, thank you, Jenna. Um, last week we took kind of a break, and so we're, we have to go back la- the two weeks ago. And remember, that ended with the, the Greeks beating Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, remember? And so uh, Paul ends up leaving, but he stays there for a little bit, uh, which we'll see. I should have been turned there, but... So we're at Acts 18, verse 18, and we're going to chapter 19 uh, until verse 20. So Paul still remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Centria, for he had taken a vow. And he came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay a longer, stay a longer time with them, he did not consent. But took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus, and he sailed from Ephesus. And when he had landed at Caesarea and had gone up and greeted the church, he went down to Antioch. After he had spent some time there, he departed and went over the region of Galatia and Phrygia in, in order, strengthening all the disciples. Now a certain Jew named uh, Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, uh, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, ex- exhorting the disciples to perceive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had, been, who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was 
in whom the evil spirit was, leapt on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who would believe uh, came confessing and telling their deeds. Also many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them and in total 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. He who hears the word of God, let him hear it. Okay, so back up to... Verse 18 through 23. So Paul remained there a good while. Okay, remember, so Sosthenes was beaten, but this is one time that Paul still remained. He still remains uh, at Corinth for a time. Remember, God had told him in that vision at the night, in, in night, wait to tarry, you know, uh, be brave, don't be afraid, but go preach for I am with you and I have many people in this city. So he still remains a good amount of time, even after Sosthenes is beaten. And then he leaves. Uh, then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria. So this is the end, basically, of his second missionary journey. We're going to see this all ends even just in these verses. So he, sold, he sailed to Syria. That's, this is Syria. And he landed in Caesarea. Uh, uh, Syria. And Priscilla and Aquila were with him. Real quickly, we re remember Aquila and Priscilla... Sometimes Priscilla is named first, and there's a lot there. It could very well mean that she was, she was a big part of the city kind of a thing. She was an important figure. In other areas, Aquila's named first, but typically the man is named first. So this just suggests that she was prominent to some degree. Maybe she was just very faithful to the women. We don't know. But it's just really important that Luke chooses to name her first here. He doesn't do that all the time. But, you know, he's doing that for a purpose again. So we kind of have to look into that. Uh, he had his hair cut off at Centuria. So that is actually here. Um, so before he even goes, he get, has his hair cut off. For he had taken a vow. Now this is the Nazarite vow, which is in number six. What would happen then is you, you, you make a vow to God. And once you fulfill that vow, you cut your hair and you, you offer a sacrifice in Jerusalem. We don't, we don't have a recording of a sacrifice in Jerusalem. He ends up going to Jerusalem, but we, Luke does not record that he offered a sacrifice. I doubt he did, but he could very well have. However, this is a Nazarite vow, which I think was really based on that vision. When, when God had come to him and reassured him and told him to not be afraid. I have many people in this city. I am with you. Preach my name. I think Paul, I assume Paul made a vow to... Okay, I'm going to stay here for a time, for a long period of time. Remember, he stayed over a year there. And I'm going to stay and wait and, 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 and be brave and for the cause of God. And then once that is over, then he goes and cuts his hair. That's all I want to talk about with that. Uh, real quickly, we're going to go through chapter 18 fairly quickly. Most of what we're going to talk about today is in chapter 19. Um, and he came to Ephesus, and, uh, and then he came to Ephesus. So that's, here's Ephesus. So he, remember, he was in. He first was in Athens at Mars Hill. Then he went to Corinth. That's where he was there for a while. And so they went to Centuria. That's where he gets his haircut. And then they sail over to Ephesus and left them there. So Aquila and Priscilla, they're in Ephesus, but he left them somewhere to go into the synagogue. There, there could be a number of reasons for that, um, which 
Remember, he was born in Pontus, um, and then he went to Italy. It could very well be that uh, Aquila wasn't circumcised. We don't know. He's the later in the synagogue, so I don't know. It could have just been for their safety that Paul tells them to stay behind while he goes into the synagogue first. Um, but he himself entered the synagogue just like he does all the time and reasoned with the Jews just like he, he does all the time when they asked him to stay a longer time with them. So usually we see one of two reactions, right? We see harassment from some or hostility for, from some and some believe. This is a very brief visit. Remember, he's just passing through and we'll get to that later because he needs to get to Jerusalem to, uh, uh, for the feast there. We don't know what feast. Um, so, when they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent, but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem. We don't know what feast. It could be the Feast of Unleavened Bread. could be could be the Feast of Tabernacles. We don't know. But, but he's going, and he wants to be there for this feast. Uh, but I will return again to you, God willing. All of God's servants, you know, basically, it, if it is according to God, I, I would desire, I desire to come back to you. I would love to but only if God is willing. That's why, you know, when I always say we'll consider these things, it's only up to God if these things are... Uh, James makes uh, a, a deal about that. Um, in fact, good. Uh, James uh, chapter 4, verse 13 through 16 says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live to do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. We don't even know if we have tomorrow. So that's what, basically what James is saying. That's, what, that's why, if it's according to God, then, then I will definitely be here. My, 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 you know, my fidelity belongs to him. Okay. Uh, okay. And he sailed from Ephesus, and when he had landed in Caesarea, so remember Caesarea Maritima, uh, because... There's the other Caesarea is landbound, so he definitely didn't land there. So he landed in Caesarea Maritima uh, and gone up and greeted the church. He went down to Antioch. Remember, this is where the where Cornelius is too. Remember, um, and so then he goes down to Jerusalem. It doesn't say that, but he was going to Jerusalem, so we know he went to Jerusalem. And then he's going back to, up to Antioch. Remember, this is where the, the Spirit separated him, he and Barnabas. But he's, he definitely probably went through Damascus. That's where he was called, remember? <laughs> and, and there's a church there. So he's going through all the different churches on his way to Antioch. Um, after he spent some time there, he departed and went over to the region of Galatia and Ferga in order uh, strengthening all the, all the disciples. That's what he's doing now. He had founded all these churches, and now he's going. Remember, we talked about that. That's what uh, Barnabas had done. He went to Cyprus, and then uh, Paul went off to the churches they had already founded, and that's what he's doing again. He continues to do that, being a faithful minister to the church, to build them up and strengthening them. So, you know, he goes up, you know, he goes along the churches there. Once he's in Antioch, remember, that's where that faithful church was. Big deal early on. That's where the first missionary was sent out where God was finally calling the Gentiles to himself for the first time in history. Remember the map that kind of looked like this? <laughs> All right. um, so, and then he leaves Antioch, goes through, remember Tarsus is uh, his native city, and remember Derby is where he was stoned almost to death, and Lystra, Iconium, and then Antioch and Pisidia, and then he continues. And remember though, really also, remember when God had forbidden him to go into Asia. Remember when he was on his way to Philippi and he said, no, you are not allowed to go to Asia. Now he's in Asia. And Ephesus ends up being a very faithful church 
the letter to the Ephesians is a very sweet letter. Um, Asia ends up a kind of a problem <laughs> uh, later on in, in other epistles, which uh, we'll see, God willing, um, or you'll come across yourself. But that's all I wanted to kind of look at uh, in, this, in, in these specific verses. So this is the end of his second missionary journey. He has one more following this, and uh, we'll, we'll look at that um, in weeks to come. Okay, 24 through 28. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria. So, Apollos was definitely named after the god Apollo, which was a son of Hercules, another son of Hercules. Uh, and he was born in Alexandria. This is the city of Egypt, a huge city of Egypt named after Alexander the Great. Huge city. Uh, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. So this man probably was very well learned. Uh, uh, Alexandria had the, one of the biggest libraries in the world at that time. So he was very well learned, probably. Again, this was named after Alexander the Great, who was a pupil of Aristotle, who was the pupil of Plato, who was a pupil of Socrates. So there's a huge academic institution in this area. So he's very well learned, so he's an eloquent man. It, remember, we saw Paul was not eloquent. Remember? He, 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 he basically says, I determined not to know anything among you except Christ and him crucified. God has many different ser servants. I will never preach like Spurgeon. Spurgeon is very eloquent. It's very beautiful. It's wonderful. I will never. <laughs> so, the, he may very well be a greater preacher, but he and nobody else has a greater gospel to preach. The gospel is just as glorious in a base servant preaching it or in a very eloquent man preaching it. It is God who's faithful. It is the Christ of the gospel. That makes it the gospel, not the man who's speaking it. Okay, so he's an eloquent, but he's mighty in the scriptures as too, as well. Remember, this is what they preach. The scriptures is what they preach. They are always preaching through the scriptures. So he came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, but to a certain extent, which we'll see. Uh, so he was instructed in the way of the Lord. So he's a Christian. He, he believes in Christ, uh, and being fervent in his in spirit. So his fervency. He's 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 determined to do this. He's, he's been saved by Christ, and he knows a certain amount, but even that just little amount has driven him to preach Christ. Um, so he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. Remember, we briefly looked at that. John, John's baptism was a, 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 a baptism of repentance. Okay, who was the greatest uh, prophet of the Old Testament? It's a trick question. I'll give you a hint. I just told you. John the Baptist. Ah, now, you might think that's tricky because we find him in the New Testament. The Old Covenant is the Old Covenant. We have them sectioned in Testaments where John the Baptist comes on the scene in the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? But he is the, he is the last and the greatest of the prophets. Even Jesus said that. He's the greatest of the prophets of the old covenant and he preached a baptism of repentance to the jews he's basically he was telling the jews the king is coming and you're not ready that's what the, the that's what that baptism was the king is coming to prepare the way of the lord and then he kept on saying there's one mightier who's coming after me whose sandal straps i'm not even worthy to untie so take my baptism and put it away once this man comes. <laughs> and then Jesus, uh, uh, before he ascends, 
implores his, his, his uh, apostles and his disciples to go out into all the world and to preach his name, to testify to him, and to baptize him in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So now the baptism isn't baptism into. It is dying with Christ and being raised into Christ. So one is a, is a baptism of repentance. The other one is basically a, rap, a, a baptism of salvation, that which Christ came to procure. John's was to prepare the people. Jesus's is to save the people. Baptism does not save us. It is a sign of salvation, which we are commanded by Christ to, to do. Once we are saved, we are commanded by him gloriously in thanksgiving to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, Apollos only knew the baptism of John, which will take, which will uh, play a part also in the next chapter, which we'll see. So, so we begin to speak boldly in the synagogue when Aquila and uh, so here we go. Aquila's first again, <laughs> probably because he's the one who went and addressed him first. Again, we have to see within the narrative why Luke is doing this. Okay. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of the Lord more accurately. So they expounded again. He knew he was he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. He he was he was mighty in the scriptures, but he was limited. He didn't know the old the 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 other half basically of that. He 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 believed in John's baptism. We see that throughout the gospels. We see that through, we've seen that throughout Acts already. But it takes a bigger part here. It takes bigger more of a place here. Um, so. Aquila and Priscilla take him aside and, and instruct him. They, they, they're faithful servants. They don't tell him, stop preaching this nonsense. They don't, they don't, they don't go, get after him. They take him aside. They don't stand up and say, hey, that's wrong. <laughs> that's wrong. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. No, they take him as a brother in Christ. And, and, and they, they don't rebuke him. They just say, hey, that was great. That was eloquent. That was fantastic. You're all fervent. You're very passionate. I can tell you love Jesus. But let me just let's let us tell you more about Jesus. These things that you don't quite know yet. The beauty and the magnif you know, the majesty that is in Christ and in the baptism that He is commanded in comparison to the baptism of John, who which was of the old covenant. Okay. Um, and disciples receive him. Where are we? Okay. Uh, and when he desired to cross to Achaia, so let's go back real quickly. Um, so this is a kid. So he's basically, we, we'll see in the next chapter that he ends up going to Corinth. So he's going back to where uh, Paul was before he went to Ephesus. Apollos is a very faithful minister. He's written about in, in uh, 1 Corinthians, where the Corinthians are kind of saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas which is Peter, or I am of Jesus Christ, and, and Paul admonishes them for that. And he says, basically, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Who is Cephas? You know, I, may water, I might have planted this church, and Apollos might have watered, but it's God who gives the increase. No, you, you are all, and we are all of Jesus. Was Paul crucified for you? Was Apollos crucified for you? But anyway, so he does talk about Apollos being a faithful minister. Um, so this is a, a great man of the faith. Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. Uh, so he desired to go to Achaia. The brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. So he he's accompanied with a letter, basically saying, this is a faithful man, receive him uh, in the faith. Uh, and when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. 
So again, he's, he's been instructed even uh, more fully from Aquila and Priscilla. And so now he's going and strengthening these disciples. That's what they're doing um, through grace. Uh, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly. Again, his zeal, his fervency takes place even in those synagogues, just like Paul, who's fearless and, and refuting the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Again, this is the way we know Jesus is the Christ. Not through priestcraft, not through traditions, not through the mass, only through Christ and really through his word, through his holy testimony, through his word. No vicar, no any of that. Okay, so chapter 9. Verses 1 through 7, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, there we go, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, remember, he had gone and, and strengthened all those, uh, all those other churches, then he comes back to Ephesus, uh, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, we know that it's 10, because they were, the men were about 12 in all, uh, were about 12 in all, I mean, you would think you'd be able to count to 12, but we don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, uh, and finding some disciples, said, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, we don't know if these people heard Apollos' preaching. But even if they had, they only know the baptism of John. But So anyway, uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much heard uh, as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now, this has to be taken contextually. Throughout the entire scriptures, we see the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit in, in, through prophecies of the Old Testament. So they're not saying that we've never heard of anybody called this Holy Spirit, he's, they're basically saying, we've never understood it in this concept, in this context. We didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit to be had when you're baptized. Um, and he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Here we go. Now we get to see the glorious apostle basically kind of tell you exactly what I just did. Then, saw, then Paul said, well, he said it first. So anyway, <laughs> John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. So again, going back to, that was of the old covenant to prepare for the, prepare the way of the Lord. Remember, he was the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. Uh, when, they had heard, when, they, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, also the Father and the Son. But again, the power and the glory and the Holy Spirit comes through the baptism, through Christ and through Christ alone. So they're saying that Luke is saying they're baptized in the power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But again, Jesus commanded in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But there he's emphasizing Christ Jesus here. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now we'll talk a little bit, a little bit about Galatia. Remember in the in at uh, Pentecost, all those people were were given. Uh, the ability to speak in different languages because uh, there were a bunch of Jews from other areas, uh, remember? And so they heard these di different languages. Now it appears, as we go along in Acts, this speaking in tongues, because there's no reason for them to be, that was for that specific occasion. This is something I've been putting up, but we have to talk about this, because in our contemporary day, this has had a resurgence, uh, really from the Pentecostal revival of a long time ago. But so, so in that time, they were able to speak in different languages for the testimony of, uh, of, of, uh, of Christ. Later, though, and in 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about if somebody is speaking in tongues, if, if somebody is able to speak in tongues, you must have an interpreter there. It doesn't do anybody any good for this person to be babbling around and nobody understands what they're saying. 
unless there's somebody interpreting. So that God also provides an interpreter to, to uh, tell you what this person through the Spirit is telling you. That is not what goes on now. That is not what goes on now. It is all emotionalism. You just kind of lose yourself and you just blah, blah, blah. I don't even know. We've known people with, like that. And, and look, I'm not, I'm not here to cast aspersions. Many were very faithful Christians. This is just an error, I think, that is going on in the church, which we, when we want to take, go back to the New Testament time, only in these signs. We don't want to go back and like start preaching like they do and return to just the Word of God, but we want to have these little gifts, just like the first Corinthian church was like. Remember when we were looking at chapter 12, before we got into the love chapter, he, uh, Paul is, is admonishing them for being so focused on these gifts. You know, these, the, the church is a body. Everybody's powered with these different gifts. Just because you can prophesy, that doesn't make you better. It makes you an important, but, but just not any more important than the one who gives to the poor. The church is a body. She's one body made up of many members, all equal, and Christ is the head. So we're all in this together. But everybody just wants these special little things. That is not God-honoring. And I, my opinion is, when you just speak a bunch of nonsense, that doesn't minister to anybody. It certainly never has to me. You can sit. But... So this is, this is one way here. And again, this power, these gifts are for the beginning of the church. Casting out demons wasn't a thing in the Old Testament. When Christ came, the power of Satan was at its max. He, he was completely unleashed at that time. And so the early church is given power as well. We'll see. Uh, Paul is given, we'll see in the next deal that Paul is given unusual power. Just like Peter, remember when people were just wanting to stay under his, you know, just be under his shadow so that they could be healed. Just like the woman of Sychar who, who had touched the hem of Christ's robe was healed of her ailment. That kind of a thing. So these things are passed down. But we, the church is exercising these, these, these things in a completely different manner than was the case at that time. That's all I wanted to say about that. Now the, the men were about 12 in all um, with this account. 8 through 10. And he went into the synagogue and spoke and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading, just like he always does, uh, concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened, so now he's getting a little bit of hostility. They were hardened and did not believe and spoke evil of the way. Remember, we, we, we encountered those who were blaspheming in the other one now in Corinth. And now we don't see that. They're just saying they're speaking evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and withdrew the disciples reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. Tyrannus was probably a huge academician. And so he, he owned a school most likely. And so when school was out, he would allow Paul and the disciples to use, I mean, Tyrannus is most likely a believer as well, so he, he gives them the space to continue um, uh, church services outside of the synagogue because, again, when he's, when he's rejected in the synagogue, he goes to the Gentiles. He, he withdraws and goes to the Gentiles. And this continued for two years. It, it, this continued for two years, but in all, it's basically, it, in his epistles, it basically is close to three years. So that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So that all who dwelt in Asia, remember, 
Those men were able, were given the, the ability to prophesy and speak in tongues. So they are probably going into all of Asia. He's in Ephesus right now. And Paul and Luke is saying, so that all who dwelt in Asia, remember that first, Asia was a decent size. It's basically modern day Turkey. So it's not just in Ephesus that travel through, uh, including where um, um, uh, Lydia was from, uh, was it Thyatira? Uh, but that's in Asia as well. And so even the, the church that began with her ministry is there. And so all of these are grouping together. All these ministries are combining. And the, the uh, uh, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So all of them. Okay, 11 through 15. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought, to, were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. So again, going back to Christ's uh, garments. So basically what would happen is, remember, Paul was a tent maker and so he's out in the heat working and he's got a towel on his head basically because of the heat and so he sweats in it in his apron that he uses while he's making the tents People are probably stealing, taking somehow, but even those, God has given unusual miracles, which Christ also had, which Peter also had, nobody else had. Okay, let's recognize that this is for a specific time, for a specific purpose. Okay, but this is to, this is to solidify and, and to <clears throat> basically assure everybody that this is his apostle. That he is sent from God. Um, okay, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists. So that this means that these would go all over the place. When you when you see itinerant, it basically means they're traveling uh, people. Took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over the... Remember, we talked about this a while ago. The sons of Sceva, the seven sons of Sceva. Uh, where, the Lord, where the name of the Lord Jesus isn't a magic trick. And that will play a part towards the end of this. It's not a magic incantation. You don't just say in the name of the Lord Jesus whatever and then it, that happens the name of the lord jesus must then again it, the name of christ is christ so unless he is willing to make this thing happen and it's really through the power of his name then you know he's not faithful he won't be there so uh who had, okay yeah over those who had evil spirits saying we exercise you by the name by the jesus whom paul preaches they don't even know this jesus they just see that the, 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 the demons are coming out by this name, Jesus. So we've heard of Jesus by this Paul character. So we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches because he's, be, he's doing all this and he's casting out demons in the name of Jesus. So let's give this a shot. We exercise you in the name of, of you know, uh, by, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the demons... Uh, also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish uh, chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, to, so the, the evil spirit re responds. Remember, the first, the first witnesses of Christ, the first ones who basically uh, declared that he was the son of God, were demons. And Jesus would command them to be silent. But so the, the, the demons all knew him already. So they answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know even. I even know Paul. Jesus I definitely know. Paul we know. But who the heck are you? Who are you? We 
don't know anything about you. You don't know anything about this Jesus. You have no power over us because you are just trying to encant this magic spell. Again, let's let's pay attention to that because that's what that's what leads to the end of this account that we're going to consider this week. Okay, so Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? These people are trying to cast out these demons through a magic trick. Then the man in whom the evil spirit was, so in whom the evil spirit was, leapt on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. We do not see that at all in other accounts because God is faithful. When 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 even He sends out His apostles to cast out the demons in His name, they all are cast out, and they come all they come back, and they're all proud. But then there were there were some that they couldn't cast out. There were some that they couldn't cast out. And, and they, they later, the, Jesus ends up going and casting them out. And the apostles are asking, you know, what, how, how is it that we weren't able to cast them out? And Jesus says, these are only cast out by prayer. And there's a lot there that God willing will, will return to. But basically, the power, the power of, of casting out demons, which again, Satan was at his max assault when Christ was roaming this earth. And, and shortly thereafter, when the church began. So that was a big deal then. But so the, the power, though, to cast them out is, is, is by the intercession of God himself. This is beyond blindness. This is beyond leprosy. This is beyond being lame. This is, this is, this is an infirmity like nothing else. And so this one is, is dealt with in a completely different manner. Okay. Um... So they fled out in the house naked and wounded. I mean, the demon doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't spare anything. He attacks them uh, con uh, immediately. And this became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on all of them, so on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So this is a huge testimony. Even the, the, the foolishness of pagans, the foolishness of unbelievers, can, can actually minister to believers. The, they see that these people were, that the name of Jesus isn't a magic trick. They know the power only lies in Christ. And so this, this becomes known. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified because of this. Isn't that wonderful? These, these sons of Sceva, the, these, these fools who didn't believe, actually bear testimony, which we see in our own time. Sometimes the unbelievers can be greater than preachers themselves by, by their foolishness. It's, it's wonderful. God is faithful. God is faithful in his faithful minister, and he's faithful even in the unfaithful to show his faithfulness. God is amazing. Okay. Um, okay. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. This, this, this situation, this occurrence, this account engenders and, 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 and manifests in so many people in confessing their sins, coming to confess themselves to Christ, to put themselves under the name of Christ, who is now being magnified. Um, telling the deeds. Yeah. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. Now, I know in our time, like if this were to happen now, like ACLU would probably come out and be like, you know, the Christians are trying to <laughs> hold the world down, you know, these crazy Christians. But this is not just like we looked at communism. This is not enforced. This is not this is not commanded. These people are doing it out of their own 
volition. They know that Christ is the Son of God and all of their magic is nonsense. Now, scrolls, parchments at that time were, were already expensive. Books were crazy expensive. Crazy expensive. And so they, they burn all, the, all these and it, it, so they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. This would be basically the equivalent of almost a year's wage to, to uh, whomever, to a typical person there. Uh, it would be almost a year's wage. I mean, it's, it, it, there's just a lot. And they just, they willingly burn it, get rid of it. They don't hide it on the bottom of their bookshelves and, and just to collect dust because it's a nice ornament piece. Because these books are probably really pretty. They, they don't keep them. No, they throw them in the fire where they belong. Wonderful. God is faithful. God is faithful. Um, oh, yeah. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. That's the end of this, what we're looking at today. Let us recognize that the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Everybody who's witnessing this, everybody who's, who's a part of this whole account, and, and especially this one, knows the power is in Christ and knows that they only know Christ through the scriptures. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed through his faithful ministers, through, but also through his own faithful testimony um, in his word. Oh, there it is. Okay. So the part of Ephesians we are going to consider this week, and again, very briefly, but I like to, when he goes to these areas and there's a letter there, I think it's fitting. I think it's prudent to consider parts of this letter. I try to choose ones that kind of apply, but anyway. And, and so this is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which, you were, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Real quickly. So, one son comes to himself and says, I will arise and will return to my father. The other son rejects him. Rejects him and is jealous of the other son. Remember the, the parable of the running father last week? We are going to continue to go back to the, these, those two things we looked at, because I live, you will live also, and the parable of the running father we will see throughout other messages as well. This is exactly, so you he made alive who were dead Remember, the son was basically perishing. He was starving to death, dead in trespasses and sin. Who he made alive, the running father, that son should have been killed. Running father has made him alive. God has made us alive. In which, so who were dead in trespasses in which you once walked according to the course of this world, the man and wo or woman under Christ, becomes a new man or woman under Christ. If you bear no change, if you still walk in the deadness of the trespasses and sins in which you were before you, you professed or seemingly professed in Jesus, you are not a Christian. I'm sorry. This is just indicative. You no longer walk according to the world when you come to Christ. You are enlightened. You are a new man. You hate 
the things you loved before, and you love the things you hate before. Paul talks about that throughout his epistles as well. So I am only standing on the foundation that Christ has laid through the prophets, the apostles, and the law. This is true. This is true. The new man, remember when, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he's talking about reborn, being reborn. Uh, uh, they who were born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. When God, this is existence. We have existence from Adam. We have everlasting life outside of the world in Christ. Makes us a new creation. We are renewed. We are born again in him. Okay. Uh, according to the prince, okay, in which you walked according to this world, according to the prince and of the power of this air, obviously the devil. Uh, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, that's the seed of the serpent. Okay. Uh, among whom also we uh, once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So that's who we were under the devil, when we were seeds of the serpent. Um, but now that we are the seed, the seed of the promise, we reject all that. Look, we are not going to be perfect. We, are, I continue to tell you, we are sanctified this this side of heaven, and when we stumble, we mourn for that. We must seek after Christ after that. You will stumble, but I pray, I pray, you pray, for boldness and strength to to once you're once you're tempted. James says, God tempts no one. He will test you. When he tested Abraham, an, another translation is tempted. He did not tempt Abraham. He was testing Abraham. He will test you. Ask for his strength. Ask for his strength. Ask for his boldness. Seek him. Walk the narrow path. Otherwise, it's just darkness. Follow the son of light. All right. Okay. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he, with which he loved us, the running father, let's remember that, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. We are one in Christ. By grace you have been saved, he will return to this, and raised, uh, raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Because Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, so we are in him now. Uh, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For generations until the coming of Christ again, he will manifest that in his people, the exceeding riches of his grace, which is given to every saved man and woman. The exceeding riches of his grace, not just salvation, sanctification, indwelling you, making him your home as well. Remember, so that the Father and the Son can be in us, and we can be in the Father and the Son, and we can be in God. Wonderful, beautiful, um, toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So by grace you have been saved. By and by grace you have been saved through faith. Something we'll return to, God willing. We've talked about that sh somewhat briefly, but faith is only by the grace of God. We, we are given faith. It is not something we achieve. Again, it, we are not saved because we acquiesce to the information. Remember, the notitia, the essensus, and the fiducia. The notitia is the information. The essensus is the agreeing to that information. That does not save you. The faith of God and his grace is what saves you, and, and you are given the true living faith, fiducia. Okay. 
Um, the gift of God. Okay. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. See? Like the Arminians and, you know, and other people too. Boast that, that they have, their righteousness, their brilliance has brought them to God. Or a number of other things that I, I really don't want to be polemic. Okay, I, I don't mean to be polemic. I, I, I don't mean to set a barrier between... Uh, I, I don't seek to divide the church even more than she is. I'll put it that way. But where the church is not the church, I think it's incumbent on the faithfulness of God through his preacher to make that abundantly clear so that we're not seeking after men. We're not seeking after silly little things. We're seeking after Christ and only Christ in and through his word. That, by God's grace, is our authority. No man, no, no, nothing else. Just that. Okay, so let's, let's just forget about any, any other options. The pagan, as well as any dark churches. Um, it is a gift of God, not of works. So, okay, so for we are his workmanship. This is what God is doing. This is what God is doing. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's what we're for. Testimony, testifying to him, but also glorifying and magnifying him through our obedience. Remember, if we love him because he lives, we will live also. Remember? See, we're just going to continue seeing that. So, for good works, because he lives, we will live also, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. From eternity past, he's not only called us to himself to be a people, he's called us to himself for holiness. He says, you must be holy for I am holy. So, not just righteous. We do not follow the commands of God because we're scared. Or, or we, we want to boast and, and hope on that, on that great day that we come before God. And he says, he says, well done. I'm really impressed by you. We do not do it for that reason. We do it to gain a crown. He will provide us riches. He... he, he Christ talks about the harvest being ready. The harvest is plenteous. The harvest is huge. And it's white for the reaping. It's ready to be reaped. Pray God will send out laborers. But the laborers are few. So the harvest is great. There's much work to be done. But the laborers are few. Pray God to send out laborers to reap the harvest. So, our faithfulness, our, our, our following Christ, our following God, reaps his harvest also in ourselves. Reaping that harvest is also sanctification. We can't just be narrow-minded and only see salvation through these, through these different accounts. It is the glorification, it is the uh, magnification of God himself in and through his people. That's our calling. That's our privilege. We are not of this world any longer. If we walk according to the, if we are of the world, we will walk according to the world. God works in this world. He works in us, within this world, but but dwelling in Him, in Christ, who's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Recognize the wonderful, magnificent power and glory and love of God to do this. That he's determined from eternity past. We've seen how that began in Adam and Eve. 
and their corruption, but ultimately his faithfulness even in through him. And last week we considered Abraham and Sarah, their falling, and ultimately his faithfulness in through him. And then today, we've seen it through Isaac and Rebekah. I mean, he's done the same through Noah and all throughout time. This is a wonderful, magnificent privilege that God himself is doing. Again, going back to the Son, we do not deserve this. God, has, God, has, God blesses the evil and the good. Remember, he provides for the just and the unjust. So we're all given this inheritance of being and of life. Some recognize their, their corruption, their, their poverty in sin. They come to themselves and recognize that in his, in his father's house, that his hired servants have bread and despair. And then we see the other son, who is ultimately the seed of the serpent, who still has hope, though. Remember that that story didn't end. So, wherever you are in your walk with God, and only you, only you all can determine that. I, that is not from, I've told you that repeatedly. I don't, I'm not, I don't know. And I won't know. I, I'm not God. I don't, I don't, I don't know. That is your path. Each of us has a special path. You are you. You are not me. You know. You know. There's there's a degree to which we want to to emulate certain people, but you are your own self. God has called you by name. And if you are His, walk in the light. Walk in His radiant light. Okay. All right. Let's pray. Father, full of grace and truth, abundant in mercy, rich in love and kindness, make your home in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls. We might magnify you and glorify you, praise your name throughout the world. Give us hearts on fire for you, God. Manifest your presence upon this earth. May your name be hallowed just as it is in heaven. And give us each day our daily portion of the bread that came from heaven, your only Son, whom you love. It's in his name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sea of Fire Ministries. We hope and pray this has blessed you in your walk with God, and we hope you join us again next week. You have been listening to Sea of Fire Ministries, where the Word of God is life.